0: Welcome to Creation Care Conversations. I'm Jennifer Donsolar, the Connecticut field organizer for Young Evangelicals for Climate Action,
1: and I'm Doug Clark. I'm a retired UCC pastor, and I serve as a member of the Guilford, Connecticut Conservation Commission.
0: Today, we are excited to welcome my colleague Melody Zhang, who serves on the steering committee for YCA. Melody is calling in from Washington, D.C., where she works as the climate justice coordinator for Sojo Action. Hi, it's great to be here.
1: Likewise, and it's a pleasure to meet you online after I've read the articles that you've written for Sojourners magazine. I'm especially thankful for your work on what Sojourners calls embodied practices of environmental justice, and I'm learning a lot these days about environmental justice. Anyway, Jenna and I began this podcast series by sharing our climate testimonies, so I'd like to invite you to share your climate testimony with our listeners. How did you get invested in this in this work?
2: yeah so i would trace my interest all the way back to childhood um i have always loved being outside i have always loved um, nature and i've always felt myself um outside and so um actually my first words ever were go outside in Chinese um, as a little baby, and so that's kind of you know very telling of uh, where my heart is. Growing up, uh, I I was in a very tumultuous um, home environment, and I would often uh, take to uh, the local parks, just sit under the trees around me, and um, just go to my neighborhood park every day, pretty much. And I would feel more myself and feel just at peace um, and communicate with God there, and that was really where um, I just felt um, that there was a a sort of a sacred place for me to commune with God. You know, that's kind of the beginning. In high school, I took AP Environmental Science class, and I thought that it felt as if the questions and the complex issues of things like loss of biodiversity, um, of deforestation, um, and even like hunger and poverty, and all of these um, very seemingly multidimensional issues were um, definitely something that I could swim in for the rest of my life. Um, and I felt that um, the, the issue of environmental justice and environmental issues um, really pulled at me. So I went to university and um, I, started, uh, I, studied, I studied it um, as my major. Um, and it was during that time I went to university in Michigan and it was during that time, um, that the Flint water crisis happened, mm-hmm. um, basically half an hour away from where we were going to school. And so I just remember sitting in the, these environmental policy classes and, you know, talking about these are archaic rules, um, and, uh, laws about environmental law. And then, um, interspersed within uh those lectures we would hear uh the stories of my classmates and my friends talking about how um their family and their mom and dad um were um trying for years uh to get the mainstream media to pick up what was happening in flint and so that was in uh 2015 that um you know I started hearing those stories and I felt as if there was this juxtaposition between what I was Doing in class and learning and uh, what was really happening around me, and I would say that you know that was a that was a real education. Um, as we as I heard the stories and I I learned from my friends, um, we started organizing on campus um, and doing daily water bottle drives. We did um, reporting on what was happening in Flint, and we did teach-ins um, and sit-ins. Um, that's kind of where I where I began with environmental justice. Um, I started doing creation care conversations at my church um, through YUCA. And um, that was my first attempt to marry my worlds of um, environmental issues and my faith, because I saw that um, there was just no talk at all in my church about anything that was going on, um, even in Flint or even just in general about uh, creation care or environmental issues. Um, and so after that, I, was, I got really involved with um, YECA steering committee where we plan more national actions and direct actions. And that's how I stumbles upon my current position at Sojourners.
0: Wow, thank you so much for sharing that story. I really like how you've laid out sort of that transition from a childhood love of nature, which I think many of us share. I certainly share that with you um, towards more of a holistic, vision of what environmental justice really is and and seeing that firsthand. You talk about the Flint water crisis being something that was something that was happening to your neighbors. Um, I think that's a really powerful story and I I love how you you shifted from loving nature individually towards seeing the ways in which our environment is a human problem that affects uh, disadvantaged communities more and more. I, I really
1: appreciate, um, Melody, the, how you brought together your your academic work and, you know, on the ground realities um, with the whole environmental justice issue in Flint. I'd like to, to kind of expand that to climate justice. You wrote in an article in Sojourners, I think last year, that communities and entire nations who do the least to contribute to rising greenhouse gas emissions bear the enormous burden of climate disaster, first and worst, on their bodies and their livelihoods. So could you give us a, an example of that kind of disproportionate impact of global warming on black, brown, and indigenous communities that, that you, I know you've seen firsthand?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think what comes to me first is um, this little zip code in Detroit, which is 48217. Um, it's a neighborhood in Detroit Um, that is just highly impacted by uh, pollution. The health and livelihoods of uh, this community is just so disproportionately impacted. And um, this zip code is actually the most uh, polluted zip code in in Michigan. I I was there during the second presidential uh, Democratic debate uh, to do reporting on um, uh, how the pollution was affecting um, the health of this community. And essentially, um, this was a predominantly Black community um, that had been there for decades. And today, uh, there are uh, 20 oil and gas refineries um, and plants surrounding that community uh, within that zip code. And um, that has been really intentional, um, deliberate uh, redlining practice and um, practice of what kind of you know, what goes where um, within neighborhoods. Um, And there's also a highway that goes right through um, that that, uh, specific neighborhood, um, adding to that traffic, adding to the pollution. And so I was there um, during um, last year, June, what I saw and what I heard from local pastors was that um, there was not a single family in that uh, neighborhood that was not touched by cancer. Um, and wow. he spoke about how, yeah, essentially the asthma rates of um, people in that neighborhood were just soaring high, were sky high. And there have been so many studies on um, this, um, this kind of phenomenon or this kind of um, pattern happening all over um, the U.S. And so Detroit and um, that specific neighborhood within Detroit is um, just an example of how black and brown communities are affected um, first and worst by um, you know, by pollution. Um, and then kind of the doubling of that impact is, um, is the effect of climate change on these communities mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, that is even before, you know, the, 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 smoke and the, um, pollution goes up in the air. Right. And then when we see the effects, it's, it's kind of a doubling and tripling of, of oppression, essentially.
0: Melody, a lot of this can feel really overwhelming. Um, So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about what keeps you going when the climate crisis and the pollution crisis and ecological crisis and justice crises seem overwhelming. What spiritual practices or other practices do you recommend you practice in your own daily life? Yeah, I love this
2: question, Jenna, and I I feel like um, I feel like this sense of overwhelm and, um, you know, the potential to slip into despair is, is a very (laughs) great one, you know, and, um, I think we all have to, um, continue to teach each other about, um, those practices and, um, yeah, to, to keep up that, that hope. And, um, I think. One thing that I think about is that during this practice of, um, of reaching toward justice and arching toward justice together, um, I think about that. I also think that um, I spend I spend a lot of time um, outside of a screen. Um, I think of Wendell Berry's um, quote of um, mm-hmm. you know uh, try to live as three dimensionally as possible, mm-hmm. um, and to avoid screens as as much as we can to mm-hmm. avoid. Um, to avoid obscuring the sense of place, right? Um, and I've been thinking about how um, it, it would be such a shame if I didn't know, if I took walks around my neighborhood and didn't know the names of um, the trees, the flowers, um, the herbs around me um, and how important and grounding that is to really actually have a real sense of place um, where I am. Um, because I think that sense of place is where the love begins, you know. I think in the knowing um, is where loving begins, and I think that's true for people as well, right? Like in relationships, we can't really know, we can't really love people well unless we know them. And I think it's similar to the planet, you can't really love the planet um, and the people well unless we know, you know, our earth well. Um, and so, that's a practice that I've been trying to take is um, to slow down and to. Um, I bought a book, you know, on the mid-Atlantic region plants (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, flora and fauna and and started to really, you know, learn learn where I am by name. Um, So that's been really healing as well. I think the other thing is just like really be intentional about um, spending time in solitude. um, And that goes with like spending time in nature as well. But I I Mm -hmm. still do the practice of um, just going out, you know, without a phone, without a screen and um, spending like really large chunks of time, like half a day to like a whole day without, you know, touching my phone or my computer and um, just bringing a journal um, mm. and um, and thinking through, um, you know, my life and my relationships and um, communing with God um, in that way and um, doing kind of movement prayers as well. So that's a practice that I've kept throughout childhood and is something that um, is really centering for me still. Um, So those are just some of the things. And I think there's, there's much more that, um, you know, can be said about that, but those are most healing. And um, that makes most sense to me.
1: Yeah, I can, I can really resonate with that. I'm, I'm fortunate that where I live, I'm just a hop, skip and a jump from the New England national scenic trail, which goes from long Island sound up to the, Massachusetts New Hampshire border and mm-hmm. I can get out in the woods anytime I want um, I've also I took a course on uh, tree identification so I'm mm-hmm. learning how to identify trees uh, now not only by their leaves but also by their bark and I think that's you know as I, th- I think it was it was good what you said you you can't love someone or something without knowing something about them mm-hmm. and the more I know about trees the more I love them so mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. great. All three of us are Christians uh, we might you know we've had different ways of living that out in our lives, but one question I want to ask you what what would you say is unique about Christian climate action specifically and are there some challenges that you face carrying that label?
2: Yeah, I think it's a very tricky thing to be consciously. Christian and um, doing climate work at the same time and really naming those things and expi- explicitly saying that I am a Christian doing environmental justice work. Um, I think that more often not than not the reaction that I get um, from from others um, when I share that I am a christian doing this is is a surprise and um, mm. and it is often delight um, because I think there is this um there is this ingrained um and increasingly you know politicized idea of what uh, Christians and more specifically evangelical Christians um are are thought as, right? And mm-hmm. um and um what what that faction represents um in the in the political realm. And um because climate change has has become, you know, um for better or worse, a political issue um, as well, you know, both the identity of being a Christian or uh, specifically an evangelical Christian for people um, and for caring about climate change, both things are politicized. Um, And I think for me, um, it's, it is, it is challenging. And I I do often try to share um, just from my heart about why, you know, I care about Um, environmental issues and and climate change and avoid um, politicizing you know I think it is really tricky I think um, I I share more about um, my love for neighbor um, and um, you know Jesus is calling for us to love our neighbor as ourselves and Jesus and God's first um, commandment for us to um, love and steward the earth wisely um, and so those things are pretty much non-negotiable in the bible, and mm-hmm. it's it's really yeah. hard to argue around that, right and it's also hard to argue around lived experience um, of the people, the stories that um that I have heard and and have had the privilege to to witness um, and to tell and so I think it is definitely um, a responsibility um as a christian witness to to tell um, to tell the truth about what I've seen. That is really where I'm straying from is, is really not just because, um, you know, I think that climate change is, um, an issue that, you know, we care about because it's a progressive issue and it's something that's sexy to care about or cool to care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really it's, um, it's a love issue. It's, um, an issue of loving neighbor. Well, it's a, an issue of, um, following God's calling for us to be careful. Um, to be wise about how we um, tend um, God's very first gift to us um, and in that way um, it feels more human um, in that way it feels very natural um, to be to be doing that um, and sharing that as a Christian um, and so I would say that um, language really matters a lot um, and it's mm-hmm. not something that I um, do just because I think that, um, you know, Republicans respond to it better or, you know, various conservatives (laughs) respond to it better, but it's just the truth, Um, you know, that um, climate change is affecting um, our global and local um, neighbors who are doing the least to do, uh, to affect it um, first and worst um, on their lives and their bodies. And um, it is a responsibility for Christians to Um, to love um, our neighbor no matter who it is and um, to love and uh, to seek to draw nearest to the most oppressed and ostracized in society just as Jesus did Um, and I think our neighbors who are whose health is so affected by um, environmental injustice um, is very much included in that so um, that's what I try to share. The message um, you know, I try to share is, is very much from that heart um, and it, it doesn't really have to do with a partisanized kind of lens. Um, and I find that um, you know, people are very responsive to that and people are, um, respond from the heart as well when I share from the heart.
0: Yeah, I, I love how you phrased that. It's, it's an issue of love. Is, is I think a really important way of talking about it. But I also wanna ask if you could expand a bit more on that idea of language mattering. Um, I, I think in my own experience in these circles, we often toss around words like creation care, environmental action, climate justice. Well, they're all sort of pointing at the same thing, but I think they have, they have different meanings a bit and they have different uses. And I was wondering yeah. if you could talk a bit about, these different words that we use and the different audiences that respond to these different words.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think creation care has been really recept- um, received well within the mm-hmm. evangelical circles um, and it seems to denote um, caring for um, creation when it comes to, um, you know, being being careful with what things we're using, um, being careful with recycling, um, and doing, you know, garden initiatives within the church, mm-hmm. and various things that are really more on that very micro level, um, and I think that is well and good, um, and and at the same time, I think it's just the starting point, because, right. um, you know, we know that climate change is um it's on a national as on a global scale and it's something that um it takes um it takes kind of action on the public sphere right to um to to do something real about um its effects so um Christian care you know on its own is a really good starting point for what i like to call personal discipleship um mm-hmm. you know within the church mm-hmm. together and i think of that as um definitely you know um a a place where we can try to embody um inhabit um the space that we are in um, and to love that place right um and then um i really like to encourage folks to move um move to the next step which is what i like to call public discipleship when it comes to climate um climate justice and recognize that you know um, love in the public sphere um, is really is really about um, taking action on climate in a more public way, um, and that's um, to petition and um, to call on um, the representatives that we have um, to create compassionate and comprehensive and bold and just climate policies um, that will have long-lasting impacts on. Um, you know, on the actual state of our environment. You know, I think we recognize that um, it's often the, um, the, the top polluters that are, that are bringing, you know, the most damage, right, to, um, to our communities um, and that um, they have to be regulated. And, and that's not something that really um, doing just creation care and um, general, you know, recycling and cleaning up can really, can really do. It's more of um, something that the government has to um, really step up and um, take the charge on, and so it's our responsibility as citizens, right, to um, to take action and to practice discipleship in the public sphere um, by by praying and by moving our feet, um, you know, through through you know going to climate um, marches or um, doing direct actions to bring more awareness to. Um, this issue um, to actually, um, you know, petitioning our uh, Congress people to to do something um, on a national scale about it. And so I see that as the difference between sort of, you know, creation care as uh, personal discipleship and a great way to start with understanding place and understanding, um, you know, why we care about, um, you know, the earth and uh, and people. And then moving kind of to the next step is really public discipleship um and uh to care about you know our neighbors in the public sphere um just as jesus did too so
0: i see that really nicely mirrored in your climate testimony you shared earlier of talking about how even since childhood you found solace and comfort and cared for creation and then transitioning on to more of a justice oriented and more more public um, orientation towards nature and creation and environmental justice. I think that's really, it's really cool. (laughs) I never thought of it that way.
2: Yeah. Um, and I, it just reminds me of, um, I think what Cornell West said, um, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, justice is what love looks like in the public sphere. Um, Uh and that's very true when it comes to climate justice too, right? Like all, all kinds of justice is like that. And yeah, so that's, that's what I've been thinking about.
0: Yeah, well, Melody, it was so great to have you today to talk about these things. Um, it's really great for me to actually hear your climate testimony. I think I've heard, like, a much shorter version before, but it was nice to hear you talk about that more um, and to have this conversation. Um, and I think that's all uh, the time we have for today. Um, so thank you again. Um, Doug, do you want to say anything?
1: Yeah, I just want to echo your appreciation, Jenna, for um, Melody's uh, sharing with us today, not only Melody, your, your climate testimony, but especially how you, you in your own life uh, have moved from um, personal discipleship and personal care for creation and personal renewal in the natural world to a real um, robust understanding of public discipleship. And uh, I think mm-hmm. that's something that Christians are gonna struggle with over this, um, what I see as a crucial decade. But yeah. it's an it's an important struggle. And I think, um, you know, you and, 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 and Jenna and, and young people, you're really putting this all together and uh, older generations like myself, we need to really listen and uh let you guide us and uh, be your accomplices. I guess that's the right word—ally, <laughs> <laughs> accomplice, whatever. But again, thank you for for um, sharing this with with us and and with our audience as well. It's uh, it's been great uh, talking with you.
2: Yes, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here, and it's always very exciting to um, you know talk with movement builders um, and. Um, you know, justice builders um, together. So really grateful for your work um, and um, for all.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Creation Care Conversations. New episodes will be out every other Friday. We hope you'll listen to future episodes.